This episode of the Podular Modcast is brought to you by Recovery Effects and Devices. Quality handmade effects and modules paying homage to classic, synth, and effects designs while innovating for today's studios and musicians. Hello, Hello. my name is Tim Held. And I'm Ian Price. Welcome to the Podular Modcast, where we... Rise and fall the waves of modular synthesis. Hello Pod Mod Bods, welcome back to another exciting episode. Today is an especially exciting one for me personally because we're talking to two really interesting guests. One, Brandon Dalo, who's a film composer. Now he doesn't personally use modular gear at the moment, but he did find someone to help him out. And that someone's name is Eric Cheslak, aka Rodent516. I know a lot of you guys know who that is, but if you don't, he is one of the two founding members of the Modular on the Spot concert series. Like the OG, the thing that has taken over the nation. Okay, maybe he hasn't taken over the nation, but a lot of Modular on the Spots are popping up. And you get to hear the history of how he and his wife, Banna Hafar, started the whole thing. Um, unfortunately, we, we did this as like a kind of conference call and we all recorded ourselves and Eric had some, uh, some trouble with his, his uh, recording equipment. He just moved to North Carolina. All of his main stuff is still in storage. So yeah, but I really appreciate them taking the time to do it. I, uh, I tried to fix it up. Honestly, I think what he has to say is far more engaging than the audio is bad. So I think you'll forget about it pretty quickly. Um, unfortunately, Ian isn't with us today, but he sends his love and best quickly. Um, yeah, I will stop rambling right now, but if you want us to promote your dates, your talks, your albums, anything, get at us at podmodcast at gmail.com. That's P-O-D modcast at gmail.com. I'm going to stop rambling now. Uh, thank you to all you Patreon subscribers. If you want to become one, go to patreon.com forward slash podular modcast. And uh, yeah, enjoy this talk because I sure did. Brandon Dalo and Eric Cheslak, aka Rodent Five One Six, on the show today. Um, thank you for joining us. Yeah, of course, man. Yeah, thanks. And it's gonna be kind of weird, and we're gonna be stepping on each other, uh, you know, vocally here because Eric, you are in Asheville, North Carolina, and Brandon, you're in LA, right? Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Okay, that is correct. Right on. And Eric, can you talk a little bit about why you just moved to North Carolina? Is that yeah, it was, uh, I moved out here just about a month ago. Um, I accepted a full-time position working at Make Noise, which is a company that I've been doing some work for on the side for the past few years. And uh, they're very good friends. And this was kind of something that we had talked about for a little while as a possibility. And eventually it became a reality. Man, that is so cool. I'm super jealous. So in, in what capacity are you working for them as? Like, uh, I'm helping Kelly do sales. Okay. And I'm also part of the demo team. And after I really get settled in the job of sales, I will then resume uh, being part of the beta and testing and development team. Awesome. That sounds, that kind of sounds like probably a lot of our listeners dream job. So, 
<laughs> right? You're moving up. That sounds awesome, man. Yeah. It's it's definitely uh, an amazing crew to work for. I, there's not enough good things to say about all of these people. Um, it, it really is an amazing crew. And I'm super grateful that they're giving me the opportunity to be a part of that crew. And I'm really excited that I'm going to get to learn so much from amazingly smart people like Tony Rolando and Walker Farrell and Pete Spear and Devin Booz. Like there's a really kind of heavy list of people at Make Noise that are really knowledgeable with synthesis and electronics and electronic music, electronic music history. This is like, they're like the New York Yankees in the forties or something. I mean, like <laughs> pretty, totally. uh, pretty, pretty heavy duty, pretty heavy hitting uh, team. And I really am honored to be part of it. I can't say enough good things about Make Noise. I, and like you said, the kind of the, the musical history, it's like with stuff like the Telharmonic, you know, they're they're kind of paying homage to like these old instruments. And I don't know, it's just, uh, and then like the No Coast is kind of like they're they're trying to blend the, the West and East Coast theories of synthesis into one thing. It's, I don't know, I feel like they have a really, really cool idea and how they want to be, like how they represent themselves. Oh, for sure. They take that into high consideration always. They really strive to maintain a top-notch perception of their company. So, Brandon, how much of this just sounds yep. like absolute like mishmash gibberish when when you cuz <laughs> you don't you don't come from a modular background, right? That's right. Yeah. I do like film TV music, but uh, I've had a fascination with modulars from afar for about like two or three years now i just i you're always looking for at least in, in the kind of the genre that i write in you're always looking for new weird sounds like experimental mm -hmm. sounds and i'm always looking for like new instrument or, and, and i stumbled across modulars a few years ago and i just became fascinated and i've always wanted to to start and build a system and and rodent can tell you like i've asked him for advice a number of times and as soon as I get like the finances together and the time to learn it and everything like that, I'm going to put together a system. And But I've always had a fascination. I started, we actually met because I, went, I moved to Los Angeles about a year ago and I started going to this event that him and his wife put on, this modular on the spot here in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. And uh, I started, it's, it was a monthly event and they would just, they'd get a number of guys who were playing modulars and they'd come out to the park by the river or whatever and and play modulars for a bunch of people and it was super chill and fun and just a really cool community. And, uh, and it, and it just made me even want to do it even more, you know, get involved in some way. So I, I approached him one day after one of the shows and was just like, yo, I'm working on this film. I'd love to have you apart. You know, I, I like, I didn't have my system, a system yet for myself and I didn't know how to do it yet, you know, mm -hmm. but I wanted to be involved somehow. And I wanted to, to have those sounds on the score. So I thought this would be kind of the perfect marriage until I can, get to that point. And of course, rodent stuff was sticking out to me like crazy. He would play the set that first show I went to and it was just, uh, thanks mind blowing. So it's yeah. kind of how it all started. That's awesome. Yeah, man. I definitely want to get around to, um, talk about the, the specific project mm -hmm. that you guys worked on, but, um, I'd like to just do, I, I feel like there's just so much I could cover with both of you guys. And, uh, so I'm, I'll try to do a little truncated version, but, um, Eric, if we could get just like, 
a, a brief backstory on I'm I'm just kind of curious how you got into modular synthesis because you you're a professional photographer for like the skateboarding world, right? Like, is that what you did before modular, or is that kind of all coinciding? Or, um, yeah, I mean, I I did professional skate photography for some of the largest skateboarding publications for 17 years. Uh, now that I work at Make Noise full time, this is kind of towards the end, I guess I'm kind of putting an end to uh, working full-time and skateboarding as a photographer. Um, but, I mean, I was into electronic music. I mean, since the, since the late, I got into getting drum machines and synthesizers and effects and samplers and analog synths, all kinds of stuff from the early 90s all the way through the 90s. You know, around 2003 was where I kind of really, my skate photography stuff really took off. I started shooting photos in 2000 and 2003 was where it really kind of really started to get busy and I could do it full time as a career. I pretty much put all my electronic music equipment in storage and put it on the back burner and traveled, traveled the world for years. After doing that for a while, I finally was able to settle in Raleigh, North Carolina for a little bit. Uh, I actually lived there for six years before I lived in LA. Um, so there I started to get all my electronic music equipment out of storage and started to set it up and started to just start making music again. And that's when Eurorack was kind of starting to come around. And when people heard what I was doing and saw what I was using, where I kind of mm -hmm. got really into circuit bent stuff. I was really into uh, a bunch of different pedals and boutique pedals and some drum machines and, you know, chaos pads and stuff like that. And people were like, well, you're essentially doing like a modular setup, yeah. but it's not a modular <laughs> synth. And then I kind of was exposed to some in New York City and it kind of blew my mind. And I researched them a little bit more when I was back home in Raleigh. And this is the funny thing was when I first started really heavily researching Eurorack, I found out about this company called Make Noise that was three hours away up in the mountains in Asheville. <laughs> and I was pretty fascinated by a lot of the modules that they made. And I really kind of wanted to drop everything and drive up here and find this company and, and really try and just dig in and figure out exactly how this stuff works and what it does because a lot of it was still a little intimidating and I wasn't really sure what they did but some of the concepts they talked about I really understood and already knew a lot about but I didn't end up driving up here um, and shortly after that I moved to LA and after moving to LA I was pretty much ready to start a modular setup and a buddy of mine in New York gave me a case and that was the start of it. And that was about five and a half years ago. Yeah. So you, you, you got bit by the bug and then just like it sounded like, even though you didn't make it up into the mountains, it, that kind of, that thought process that gets people going on modular, it sounded like it, it started for you then you were just, yeah, for sure. It, 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 it weirdly consumes you like mentally where you're just constantly, it's just like this ever quest for what, what the yeah. hell is this and how can I use it? Definitely. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I went to New York on a skate trip and 
a friend of mine there who owns a studio that I knew that he had modular. He kind of turned me on to some modular stuff before, you know, and control had just opened. And I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to build a modular. And we were talking in his studio one day and he was like, Hey, well, if you're going to take that case right there, I don't need it anymore. <laughs> and if you're going to do it, you'll need that. And you can, you can use that. So I took it and I, and then the next day my dad calls. I was like, Hey, you got a check in from so-and-so for, some ad that you shot. And I was like, Hey, go put that in the bank right away. I'm going to need that. <laughs> and, uh, and literally the first things that I bought was I had to buy power uh-huh. for this case. And I bought a make noise, not a make noise power supply. And I wanted to get an oscillator module and I bought a DPO oh, man. and a couple small, uh, function modules and like a four MS clock divider and a coma mm-hmm. commander. And that was like the first thing that I bought and I had it, where it would interface with like my edit dope for dark time and some other drum machines and keyed sense. And yeah, it just, it just grew from there. It's a great initial setup to have. I have to give a lot of credit to my dear friend, Robert Lowe at control who really kind of helped break the intimidation down immediately Mm -hmm. By like, hey, you know the standard synthesis chain if you have these other synthesizers that you told me that you have. Like, he put a bunch of patch cables around my neck and was like, let's patch the standard synthesis chain. And after doing that a few times with him, and I spent like a few hours in the shop with him one day and really started to understand that it's really no different. You just have some cables in between. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Huge shout out to all of those, you know, those, uh, godfathers and godmothers of everybody who gets in. Everybody has that story where they've had that one person who kind of helped them dispel the myth of it being, you know, too big to understand, you know, yeah. you, you need those people. So thank you to all of those people out there. For sure. Definitely. Like I've heard stories from so many other people that Rob Lowe was that person to them as well. He's such an amazing oh, person. He's going to be at the Make Noise 10 year in a couple of weeks. And I cannot wait to see him. I love that dude to death. Man, I've, I've been, I was, I've been kicking around trying to come out there for that, but I'm getting married in September. So all, all free money is going towards paying for, for our backyard wedding that we're going to have. But I was very tempted. Um, for sure. So, so Brandon, um, yeah. Even, even though it's a modular podcast, I, I love talking any sort of gear. And I'm also, I'm, I'm a, a little bit of a novice uh, film scorer myself. I've done some shorts and whatnot. Oh, cool. um, so I'm just kind of nice curious, time. like, what, what do you use and what, what are you finding exciting these days for just making noise? Yeah, man. Uh, a lot of my stuff is software, you know, the typical kind of especially on lower budget projects, you're using a lot of software stuff. Mm -hmm. And I I do try to use a lot more musicians these days. Um, You know, before, like I said, lower budget, you're just, you're always kind of in the box and doing your own thing. And also the way I score is much more, uh, more electronic, more sound designy instead of more, uh, you know, the orchestral side of things. Uh Um, That's kind of changing as I grow older and I get more involved in like bigger films and things. But um, yeah, man, uh, I'll tell you an example of some gear I used recently, some, some analog gear. I, I did a film called Invasion on Chestnut Ridge. Mm-hmm. It's a documentary about some, and this, it's, it's in the same series, actually, as the film that Rodan and I did. 
Um, it's called the series is called Small Time Monsters, so it's about you know monster legends across the country, it's, and it's all documentaries, it's all real stories. And uh, Invasion, they the director wanted kind of an '80s synth sound. Stranger Things had just come out, and there was like that you know that that kind of vibe happening mm-hmm. in the the music world. So, yeah. and I tried all my different software stuff. I had the Arturia stuff. I had a lot of different kind of 80 sounds and nothing was really hitting it for me so i knew i needed to get something analog so there's a really cool store i'm sure rodent's familiar actually i saw him give a, a talk there at perfect circuit up in uh burbank oh yeah love and, perfect circuit yeah man and uh i che- i went in there checked out all their sins played through all of them that they had on the wall and stuff like that and was trying to find something and this one called the profit rev 2 Dave Smith, I think, yep. was the company that puts it up. Yeah, that one, man. That one, for whatever reason, the presets, the sounds I was messing with, I was like, whoa, this, this sounds are incredible. Yeah, uh, my, my film scoring partner uses, I think he's a Prophet 08, I think. But yeah, those mm, things are, yeah. they're so good. Which I think the Rev 2 is just like an updated version of the 08. So, okay. Uh, yeah, but it's it, it sounded amazing. So I got that. And, you know, obviously, I didn't. I couldn't afford to buy it, kind of a thing, on this project specifically. <laughs> but I found this like secret company that uh, allows you to rent like old vintage synths, you know, Jupiter eights and all that kind of stuff. And they they don't even have like a storefront. It's one of them things where they don't want people coming in and messing around. And so, it took me like ten emails to get get in there and and be able to rent the thing for a couple of weeks and uh, just use that on the score. But so yeah, man, I'm trying to always find something that's unique sounding you know it's like a lot of movies you obviously have a thematic a lot of you know motifs or or themes for characters which i still i try to do as much as possible but a lot of times i'm trying to find a sound for whatever character or story um i'll give you one more example there's a another documentary i did called the mothman of point pleasant and it was like a story i don't know if you're familiar with the mothman yeah legend yeah. i mean not yeah so not we, really past the hollywood movie um but I, right. i've heard of it yeah so we, we did a documentary on the kind of the real story, what really happened. And um, a lot of people in that case were describing this thing as trying to communicate, like when, it, when they would you know, have this encounter with it, it was like it was trying to communicate something, but couldn't. And there was like this despair coming from it. And, you know, of course, if you know the story, you know, like in real life, the, the Silver Bridge um, that crossed Ohio into West Virginia collapsed and, it, you know, killed a number of people. And and then suddenly the Mothman sighting stopped after that. So anyways, I wanted to find some kind of sound to represent this creature, you know, that, that seemingly was from like some kind of another dimension or something that was trying to tell us, like warn us about this bridge. And uh-huh. I, I ended up finding this, this instrument called the Byzantar, which is a mix between an upright bass and a sitar and Whoa. has this really incredible sound when you, you know, run the bow across the low strings it vibrates the sitar strings underneath and it just creates this really otherworldly kind of cool sound so those are just like two examples you know of how i try to like use gear in a way to kind of be thematic for the characters in the story you know that's awesome i love i love hearing people who know what they're doing talk about something that i want to do but don't know how to do (laughs) (laughs) it's pretty nice um yeah okay and before we get into how you guys work together i do I couldn't, I couldn't have a rodent on and not talk about uh, modular on the spot because there are modular on the spots all over the country now. And Eric and Banna are the, the two masterminds behind it. So I'm, I kind of was just wondering if you want to give us the brief history of how that came along. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's being done in 17 different cities in the United States now. Um, yes. Yeah, so, I mean, Banna and I, 
I guess it started, I went out to Arizona for skate photo work to shoot with uh, Aaron Hamoki, a.k.a. Jaws. If you look him up, he's like completely incredible. He's a truly living legend in skateboarding. Um, and he's like super into electronic music. So I knew I was going to be staying at his house. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to bring a speaker with me and I'm going to bring my modular and we're going to make a bunch of crazy shit at your house every night while I'm staying out there shooting a bunch of stuff with you. So that's what we did. And I also, uh, for a light kit that I have, uh, I've had a generator, a small Honda generator for over 10 years. And I brought the generator too. And Banna, after I was done with my time slot with Jaws, um, we, she came out on a bus and went and picked her up. And then we went camping for a couple of days. Uh, just really off the grid style by Sedona. And yeah, we found some spot and made a fire and set up the tent. And the next thing was set up the modular and a speaker and, um, <laughs> and jam out by the fire and make some food. And I remember the video that I posted from that on Instagram. It's way back in my Insta somewhere. I mean, if you go back probably about three years from now, you probably find it. Um, I mean, that was, that was like the first one where, um, and then rain came in and we had to put everything away really quick and get in the tent. And we were in the tent <laughs> yeah. and we were talking. I'm like, wow, that was so fun and so cool. Like we have to do this again sometime. And then the next day we did the same. I think we just cruised around and saw Sedona. I don't think she'd ever been to Sedona. We just kind of did some sightseeing and stuff. But um, then we were back in LA and we we're getting ready to do uh, a trip up the coast to Oregon. And we did that and we did the same thing. We bought the generator, we bought a speaker, we bought our systems and we made several stops on the way up to Portland and we were all along the coast and we took like uh, four days or something and every stop, like every night, every day, we were like finding places to like jam out that were just naturally beautiful, really fun to be in. And just after just being there for a minute and just relaxing, get the modular out and get inspired to make a piece and jam out together and um, we had a really good time doing that. And that's when we realized, like, you know what? We need to do this back in L.A. with our friends and just find some place, renegade style or whatever. Yeah, that was actually that was we, that trip. It was Fourth of July and we got back and it was like the third Thursday or something towards the end of July three years ago. Uh was when we did the first one in LA and we thought like 20 people were going to show up. We thought like just some of our friends and stuff were going to show up. Uh-huh. It was like, it was like almost a hundred people showed up for the first one. Wow. <laughs> and we were like, Whoa, like holy awesome. shit, people are into this. Like, this is cool. And Andrew Felix was there and brought his Bukla. Uh, Geb Jangris was there, played Euro. I played a Euro piece. Banna played a Euro piece. And, basic and uh his former partner nina they uh had a project called twin braids so twin braids did a piece 
and and that was it. That was that was literally the first module on the spot. We were just like, you know, well, we got to try and we can we can do this every month. Like it's not that hard to set up, and we should just really do this every month. And we started to do it every month. The next month, we got kicked out of that park and ended up in a parking lot. And then we got a little more crafty. And then we found the spot along the river where I met Brandon. But then all these other people from all these cities around the United States, other places around the world started hitting us up. And just like, hey, come to Denver and do that. Come to Seattle and do that. Come to Chicago. Come to Philly. We're like, look, this isn't like, this is like a free event. We cannot afford to do that. So pretty much we're like, you know what? Here's the guidelines. It's always outdoors, always free and open to anyone, and always just modular only. No drum machines, laptops, keyed sense, external sequencers, um, no octatracks, you know, no computers, you know, just modular, keep it in the rack. If you do that, hey, start your own. We'll help promote your event. And that is how it started. And it was like we went to we went up to San Francisco to do some to try and jumpstart the community up there. It kind of didn't really take off, but then we wanted to jumpstart the community in Portland, and we went up there, and people were just like crazy about it. Like, oh man, we got to do this! Like, and then like the next month they were doing them, and mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it's just kind of taken off from there. People are doing it in Chicago, Milwaukee, Seattle, Portland. LA, there's a whole nother crew that took over doing them in LA since I've, you know, moved on but out here and Banna's gonna be out here soon too. Um San Diego's starting this month. Um Austin, Atlanta, Philly. I'm trying to think where else, man. I'm 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 missing some other ones. Um but that's so cool, man. You guys have had such a huge influence on, and I think, I think just the modular community is growing so much in every, in every city that's had a a tiny seed of a community. Those, those are really sprouting up. And I can just say from my own experience here in Seattle, it was the store patchworks coming into existence. And then the, the Bradley and uh, Josh getting the modular on the spot Seattle thing going. Um, so just, and, and just from that alone, it's just kind of exploded. And this, there's this whole scene here now of people that all have kind of knew each other, or I knew him who knew her and we're all kind of like gelling together in this really cool way. And that was all from just like this crazy camping trip that you guys yeah. took one time and just kind of spiraled. That's, that's so cool. I love, I love hearing the history of how all that came together. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was kind of the same thing in LA where like we saw some people at some different shows and it was like, we like, like I saw Patrick O'Brien at a show and I saw like Tom Hall at a show and like, like I, I never like knew these people. But then when we started doing Madra on the spot and people came all the time and they were like, wow, like, this is it. Like, yeah, like, we're coming to this all the time. Like, we're, like, we want to be a part of this. Like, this is, it's just, yeah, community. We wanted to do it with our friends and whoever else was down. And we met so many new friends from doing it, whether it's from LA or other places around the country, like Jerry Caba that does them in Philly or 
Corey Sterling in Chicago that does them or, you know, met so many new people. And, you know, from doing that, like, look, like Brandon showed up and it was like, wow, I like meeting like collaborators through this and like, you know, just plenty of people. Um, it's, it's amazing. And, and I'm really grateful that it happened because it, it is, is, it's, far exceeded what I ever thought was going to come from it. Yeah. I, I just love that. Also, it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily something that you were like, Hey, let's start doing this thing. It, it kind of just, it just naturally progressed organically out of, out of this fun experience. And I, I don't know. I just, I really like, I really like that whole, that whole story. One of the times that Banner and I came up there to Seattle, um, we were hanging out with Scott Yeager and we were like, okay, dude, you got to take us to Gasworks Park. Like we got to see where these dudes were doing module on the spot. The photos look epic. Uh-huh. And like actually the first one that they did, that was at Gasworks. Scott went to it and sent me a bunch of photos. And that was another reason why we, we just got to check this out and see this park. And when we yeah. got there and saw that park, I just sit right there like in front of water. So mm-hmm. amazing. So amazing. Yeah. And sometimes, um, I've, I've heard, uh, Bradley and Josh tell me that when they have it there, sometimes people on paddle boards or even boats will come up because it's so close to the water. They'll come up and they'll just kind of stop there and, and check out the show um, from their boat or their paddle board. And, and to me, that's just like, I don't know. I don't know why I love that, that visualization so much, but yeah, for sure. I do have to, I do have to really make sure that, um, I have to give credit to where credit is totally due. Mudger on the spot mm-hmm. would not exist without my wife, Vanna Hafar. Like okay. she was and has been totally instrumental with like carrying it and being a part of it. And like, like it was, you know, some people are like, Oh man, that's so sick. You created that. And I'm like, well, it was kind of a lot her too you know it was it was mm-hmm. equal on both of us and you know sometimes you know she does get overlooked and you know as 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 being a big part of modern on the spot and, and the, the truth is 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 i'm not more involved in it or responsible for it than her and same thing she's not more responsible than i i mean it was an equal thing from both of us and we both, you know, really did it together. It was, it was a joint effort and, and, you know, there's been plenty of times in the past, especially in the past year where people are just like said exactly like what I was saying. It's like, oh man, that's, that's amazing. You created Maja on the spot. And like, they like, sometimes it would be like right in front of her. And I'd be like, um, she's just as responsible as me. So go <laughs> yeah. ahead and high five for two well, I, kinda, I, I like that. <laughs> I like that. It's like both of you guys equally. And, and it, that's kind of seems to be the, the whole uh, spirit of modular, modular on the spot is no one, no one taking the credit, like, as this was my thing, this is, this is our thing. It's for everybody. And just like, just to hear you talk about it in that way. And then also when I asked Bradley and Josh, I was like, so do you guys kind of want to try to do stuff around Washington? And they're like, no, we want to just do Seattle. And if Spokane wants to do one, then they should totally do one too. Sure. And, uh, 
yeah, it's just this nice, it's just such a cool, refreshing thing, especially in like an artistic community. Um, it, an artistic community can kind of be a weird thing where everybody can be wrestling their way into being noticed. But I feel like just in the modular community in general, but definitely with the, the module on the spot thing, it's, it's not like that. I don't know. It's people, it's a shared experience more than anything. Dude, I, I, I can totally attest to that too. I mean, you know, I started going and I remember like the first time that I went, you know, the night that we met or whatever, it was like, it was down at the LA river and it was still summertime. So it was like the sun was setting and it was just this amazing music. And there was like a couple hundred people there. Everybody was just chilling on blankets and having a good time. But it's, it's like exactly what you're describing. There isn't like, you know, drunken idiots, like getting in fights or something, you know, or like Mm -hmm. a bunch of people leaving behind trash everywhere and just like, just to, you know, like others, some other communities are, whatever. It's just everybody's super chill, extremely open and nice. And again, like even when the people get up to perform, it's not like dudes with like lighting kits or whatever, you know, like there's no, there's no banners and there's no banners and groupies or like whatever. It's just, it's such a chill, humble, kind of like this amazing thing and not to get like cheesy or whatever, but I remember like sitting there listening to it and being like, you know, you ever think about like other eras of music where you would have loved to have been a part, like coming here in the eighties and seeing like Sunset Strip or whatever, it would have been amazing to be like, right. you know, whatever. And I just remember sitting there thinking like, this is kind of like our thing that maybe people will like look back and be jealous that we got to be a part of or whatever. Again, not to be like cheesy, man. but I just remember being like, this is, no. this is super cool, man. You know? I love that you're saying that because I have found myself kind of saying that too, especially I'm from, I'm from Washington state, um, not from Seattle, but I was too young when the grunge thing happened anyway, to be, to have been a part of it in a real way. Like I was, you know, 10 or something. Um, so, you know, since, since then it's always been kind of like, oh man, I wonder what that would have been like to been part of like this weird community that felt like it was charged with something real. And I, and I do feel like that's what's happening right now with with modular. Yeah, exactly. I'm excited about it. Yeah, there's other other cool stuff I feel like that is kind of continuing this vibe, like like Corey and the dudes are producing that Patch CV film. Yeah, there's some kind of other things that are that are going on that that are really cool that really you know kind of bring you know different communities from around the country or around the world kind of together into you know kind of I don't know I guess interacting with each other on some kind of level being a part of like a project like that so yeah that's kind of why I wanted to to start this this podcast is to to talk because I wouldn't have really had an opportunity to talk to either of you guys unless I was you know coming out there and happened to run into you or whatever or like I talked to Eli from Mystic Circuits the other day or Abe from you know from uh, AI Synthesis in Portland. I'm, I'm meeting all these new people and having these really fun conversations. And uh, I don't know. And and hopefully the listeners are getting something out of it. And we're also wanting to open the door to listeners to send in your events. If you have a modular on the spot that you just started, let us know and we want to tell everybody about it. If you just made a modular album, let us know and we'll help tell as many people about it as we can. You know, like, I don't know. Yeah, we tell people like if they want to start their own module on the spot, go for it, you know? Or like like Bradley and those dudes do that one in Seattle. It's like, you know what? Somebody else could do one in Seattle, you know? I mean, it's They actually independently started their own and then found out 
about each other through our, our little store that we, our local store patchworks. And then they just decided to join forces because Seattle's ultimately pretty small, but I see what you're saying. I do really like patchworks. I got to point that out. I was up there in, uh, what was that? October Bannon and I were there doing some in-store demos for Moog. Oh, nice. And those people at patchworks are awesome. They're really, really good crew there. Yeah. Are you interested in getting started with modular synthesis, but you're worried about the cost? Join the hundreds of others who have never held a soldering iron in building your own superb modular synthesizer. All AI synthesis modules are wiring-free, skiff-friendly, have free schematics, and full how-to-build videos. They are, simply put, the easiest to build modules in the world. Not only does AI Synthesis fully support their own modules, they also have general guides for tools to buy, how to build a $26 oscilloscope, and much more. Find out more at AISynthesis.com. Well, um, let's, uh, let's talk about, I want to, like, we got, a, we got the story of guys, how you guys met. Um, but Brandon, if you kind of want to set up what the movie is that you guys worked on specifically, and then just kind of, I would like to hear from both of you, how you, how you a- attacked this project together. Yeah, sure, man. Um, you know, that, that invasion documentary I just told you about that, that was the first one I approached wrote him about doing with me. And then I think he was like out of town. He was in Europe or something for a while. Yeah. And uh, so we ended up not being able to work on that one. But the next one was actually kind of better fit anyways, because this one is another documentary in the Small Town Monster series. And uh, it's called The Flatwoods Monster. Yeah, I and watched that about- screener, by the way. Sorry to interrupt you. Oh, did you? Yeah, I did. And <laughs> oh, cool. Um, I don't know. You guys did a really good job on it. Thanks. Thanks, man. Yeah, The uh, so the it's, it's basically a documentary about this case that happened in like 52 and essentially there was this small group of boys who were playing football on this school field in a small town in West Virginia. And they see kind of this flaming ball of fire in the sky and it kind of crash lands on this hill. And uh, they go run up to their house, grab their mom, grab a couple friends, the dog, and they all kind of run up this hill and they see this kind of pulsing red light. And as they're kind of approaching it, they, this, they, uh, catch eyes on this this monster looking thing i guess um it was described as being like 10 12 feet tall and there's all these varying descriptions of it but as you saw on the screener the two boys that we that were original witnesses that we interviewed they described it as mechanical mm-hmm. like a kind of like a one of, it looks almost like one of the old rockets that they just they described it as looking like one of the rockets that you know the germans used to use to to bomb back in world war ii or whatever so back then it was like the descriptions were, oh, it's got claws and it's got, you know, this uh, red face with the ace of spades head shape, you know, that kind of a thing. And and it's since come out that the description is a little bit more like mechanical and stuff like that. So anyways, the they, they all freak out and run away. And then, um, but there was this kind of mist in the air, this pungent mist that a lot of them inhaled and they had, they got sick and nauseous and were puking and some of the the legend claims that like the dog subsequently died from the you know from all that and there was a investigation after that the police came in and they they didn't smell anything they didn't see anything but then the next morning there was this weird oil substance found on the ground and so our documentary really kind of delves into that the case and any kind of ancillary incidents that happened before that in the area and then afterwards and kind of up to the present day um so that's okay. the story. And I mean, we, 
the reason I wanted to kind of bring him on was, like I was saying earlier, I, I wanted to get modular type sounds in the score, and but it really was fitting for this because, you know, I, as I described, like the, the monster was mechanical, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like the initial direction when I was coming to Rodan. I was like, I, w- I want to get really interesting exper- experimental mechanical sounds. And I thought that would be a really cool way to do it was to use modulars to create these kind of sounds. And that's how we initially approached it. Nice. Now, are you part of uh, of uh, making the films as well, or are you just just do the music? Um, it's been interesting, you know. When the I got, I've been doing every film they've done. I'm on my, I'm about to start my seventh film with them. Wow, we, they've finished filming. It's about, I just got the rough cut. We're gonna start scoring probably in July. But yeah, so I've done all of the films since they started. In the early days, I was they were they were indie, super indie back then, and they've grown significantly. But. Uh, I was helping kind of like produce a little bit and I've always been on set because I was close to the crew that used to film. So I, they'd pay and I'd travel to around the country and be on set with them. And I actually, I did, I wasn't on set for this one for the Flatwoods monster one. Cause mm-hmm. you know, like I said, I moved out to LA about a year ago, so okay. I'm not as close. They're, they're based in Ohio. Okay. Um, and, but I just went, we're, we're doing a documentary right now on the Bray road beast out of Wisconsin. So I was just on set with them. So, yeah, I'm not a part nowadays. I'm not as much a part as the on the producing side or whatever. But um, and that was really a decision that we came to a couple movies in. It was like I'd much rather focus all my energies on making like a great soundtrack than you know trying to help with other things. So we've got other people on the team now that can do those things. Okay, cool. Yeah. So so as you guys as you guys collaborated, was it kind of like you would send Eric a scene and then. Uh, like maybe a piece to go off of or maybe just more of like hey i need something like and just kind of give him some words to cue him or or how how exactly did you guys go back and forth on something like this yeah i mean when we started i think the we barely had a rough cut you know there wasn't even i think it was only like 20 minutes out of the whole 45 minutes or so that were kind of rough so we didn't really approach it i don't I, i showed him a couple scenes i remember but we yeah we didn't really like watch the movie all the way through or anything or or have a rough that I could do, and I didn't, and we didn't approach it like, hey, let's let's have you score the scene with modulars. It was it was kind of what you were describing um, a little bit later there, where we would I would just go over to a studio and we would just I'd give him some direction, and then he would just go at it for a while, and I'd just kind of like listen, and then we he'd be like, you know, do you like this? Do you like that? And we kind of just keep tweaking it, and the whole time how we did it was we kind of just hit record, you know, through Pro Tools mm-hmm. and. And he would just, we would just record the entire session. Like it might be a couple hours or whatever. We just record mostly everything. And then, you know, of course, and there was much more involved that we could talk about in between, but, and then I would take it later on and kind of reduce and find the, the, the spots that I like the best and kind of make this modular suite, if you will, kind of things that all kind of fit together and stuff. And then try to throw them against picture and see what fit and what didn't and go from there for it. Yeah. Well, and I don't know you guys, what you guys did together really it, it it lent a lot to that. Um, you know, I feel like, I feel like the score really has to move, um, documentaries along if it's, if, you know, reenactment type stuff and, and mixed with just people right. telling a story, like the score does a lot of heavy lifting in that. And I felt like you guys really nailed it. Kind of gave me, a like an old school sci-fi feel to it without, mm-hmm. without being cheesy with, with it sounding still, you know, um, interesting and, and, and relevant to like just today's standards or whatever. So yeah, dude, I, I appreciate you saying that. Cause that was, 
exactly what our, our kind of initial conversations yeah. were because you know the director was saying he wanted it to be 19 because you know it takes place in the early 1950s so right he really wanted it to be inspired by that but it's exactly what you were saying the goal was how can we take bernard herman and and the daily earth stood still and like that vibe but make it modern make it unique not super hokey and that kind of a thing so on my end i was studying a ton of herman like i I, just basically, if you look at the score and you analyze it, all a lot of the instrumentation, especially the orchestral stuff, it's it's basically oh here's the day there sits still or you know the instrumentation right. kind of thing and the types of rhythms and certain melodies and things that I was using and then that's and then that was what like I said Rodin and I were talking about and and he ended up coming up with a lot of these like what, what I would describe as satellite noises and kind of like spacey sounding ambiences uh-huh. and stuff that totally lent to that whole vibe. Right. So it was super cool. I got to ask how much of that was the woggle bug, Eric? The you know, woggle bugs in everything I do. <laughs> yeah. Um, <there's laughs> oh man. I, I've had one for a little bit. There's definitely, uh, quite a bit of woggle bug. I mean, that's kind of like one of my go-to random modules. Um, I mean, I kind of remember a lot of stuff that I, that I used for it. I mean, if you wanted to give me, if you wanted me to give, a rundown on kind of what were some of the main stuff that I used. I think a lot of people would be really stoked to hear what you were using on that. I, yeah, I'd love to hear it. Yeah. I do remember that one of the ambient pieces that I made, that was the verbose harmonic oscillator, uh, into the eventide space. Such a good, um, such a good reverb pedal, eventide space. If you guys don't know, check it out. For sure. Um, it was also some noise engineering, but similar to Um, there was mutable elements. There was, um, yeah, I mean, my DPO, the last thing that we recorded that definitely had like a lot of crazy stuff where it was like herb verb and, um, a lot of granular stuff from the Cubit Nebulae, Morphogene. I mean, it was, there oh, was yeah. a lot of Morphogene granular stuff on a lot of it. Um, I mean, hey, my DPO, first oscillator module ever. I mean, that that's kind of like on, that's one of my like go-tos for like so many different things. And I think we definitely had some of that on that. Are you still rocking that original one? Still got it. Dude, that's awesome. I just got an STO, which is basically like a quarter of the DPO. And uh, that's that's my main my main oscillator right now. I love it. Yeah, I, actually, I think I had like some, I think I had some STO stuff on this one. Um, I'm trying to think of other stuff. There was some mutable, I used the mutable clouds to chop some stuff up too. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, quite a bit of filters. I know that I... I remember being pretty heavy on filters. I know the molecular dual Borg was in it. The top of the multi-filter. Oh dude, I can't even believe I forgot about it. There's, there's a piston Honda too, all over this thing. I remember using the the, the piston Honda a lot. Oh yeah. Um, I'm trying to think what other filters, the top of the multi-filter I used. I used the end of the Nygma's MMG. Um, the uh, mutable ripples. Um, those are kind of some of my go-to filters. Um, oh, I use the WMB stereo filter, the overseer. I know I use that in, in high-pass mode. Yeah, that's a good little. 
a good little list there. I know that uh, the, I mean, like my modulation source stuff is like, I mean, there's multiple maths on everything that I do. Yeah. yeah. Um, I really use the Rene a lot for modulation sequencing. Um, I use the pressure points, brains, analog memory set up for modulation sequencing. Oh, I was using the echo phone a lot for some crazy effects too. And it's kind of, I guess that's a lot of like pretty well-known like standard stuff, but I guess you can uh, just all about how you use it. Oh, for sure. And I was just talking about this with Eli, you know, he, he was saying like, I really love, um, you know, mutable stuff. And he's like, I know it sounds cliche. And I was, I just said, yeah, I mean, make noise and mutable. It sounds cliche to say they're the best, but there's a reason that people talk about those, those two companies specifically. So. Oh yeah. Not to say anything bad about any other companies. I mean, I'm, I'm not loyal to just one, but that's another thing that like we were talking about earlier, which is so great about the, the modular world is, is you can hear somebody who works for make noise, like happily, singing praises of a mutable thing and i don't know that's just that's just the the world that that we all are in now so yeah for sure dude really realistically like one of the brands that really resonates with me like majorly is noise engineering same here man <laughs> that basilmas eteritas is is that's one of the first modules I've got and I've gotten rid of a lot of my first modules. That's the one that's stayed in there. Oh, you know what? Actually, I was thinking about it. Um, because when we did this, I had finished up some shows and I think, yeah, I did. I uh, used the noise engineering cursus ateritas into the clouds and then into a morphogene. That is definitely on in this, in this, oh, uh, in this, in this film for sure. Right on. So if people want to hear those sounds that uh, we were just talking about, where can where can they do that, Brandon? How do you find this? Um, you can check out, I think there's like five songs, five cues from the film up on my website at brandondalo.com. Um, but you can also hear pretty much every track from the soundtrack on Bandcamp. Just search Brandon Dalo on there and you'll cool. find all the scores I've ever done. And it's got, I think there's like 23 cues up on on this one, so lots to listen to and if they want to buy it they can buy it there um yeah and i'd be happy to share some of the stuff you know like i sent you that modular suite that i did that basically it's like 15 minutes of kind of the my favorite stuff that rodent did and i was flying back from ohio i think like i went on holiday or whatever to visit family and on the flight back that's what i just did i just took all his stuff and just listened through and kind of created created this huge suite and then was like all right cool where can this fit over certain parts? Because, you know, like like we were saying, a lot of what we did together was it was more, he was doing more of sound design and I was going to take that and then, you know, create create a score around it or whatever. And so a lot of what we did wasn't able to be put in the film, but there was a good amount that was just perfect for what I was looking for. Like I said, which, which was that the sound of the monster, you know? It was like, you can do you can do themes and you can do all kinds of orchestral stuff and you can do all these other things. But I, I like to have a lot of like real kind of, you know, I hate to use the word experimental, but I like to have those kinds of things in there. And, and that's where his stuff was just shining, man. It was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I think you guys had a really nice, well balance of all of that stuff. Um, and if you want to watch the movie is, is that's not available yet, right? No, Flatwoods is out. It's, um, you can find it on Amazon okay. Vimeo. Um, if you know the physical DVDs and whatnot at all, you can find that on smalltimemonsters.com. Um, 
I would I would check it out on Amazon. I think it's it's super cheap up there. Like I think if you have Prime, it's a couple dollars. Or like I think it's like three dollars to get. So okay, yeah, super cheap. Um, and definitely recommend people check it out. Yeah, who doesn't love a ghost or, or local, you know, monster story? Those are <laughs> those are classic. So, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, Eric, how can we check out? Do we do you have like uh, some some Bandcamp action you want to plug for for you and or Banna or anything? Any records coming out? Or um, I'm working on releases for a few different labels. Um, right on. That just just I mean I was really getting set up to do that, and then this move came. And let's kind of put a little damper on that. But um, I don't have a band camp, but I just still have the same SoundCloud I've had forever. It's just soundcloud.com slash rodent dash one. Um, I think that's okay. the link in the profile for my Instagram. Um, I might have a new piece I'm going to put up there here soon. But um, yeah, there's three different tape labels on like trying to like make a bunch of stuff for I'm actually sitting on a bunch of tracks that I might try and divvy up between a few different tape releases. And then I have two different labels asking me for vinyl releases. Oh, nice. That's, that's the stuff I'm kind of really trying to get set up for, but might just be a little longer. Well, yeah. And you just moved and moved across country and got a new job. Like there's, there's a lot to get settled in. Yeah, I'm sure. for sure. Trying to really figure all that out is um, quite a task. So, um, but yeah, that stuff is is coming soon. I mean, if you just keep an eye on my Insta, I'll definitely be posting about future releases coming soon. And I think I have this piece I'm going to be putting on my SoundCloud. It's a new piece. It'll be coming soon too. So. Right on. Well, yeah, and we'll we'll help spread the word anytime you get a, a hard date for either of you guys. Anything that you. Uh, always want to help spread the word with, with our past guests and everything. So, uh, but yeah, thank, yeah. Thank you guys for your time. Um, really, really appreciate it. This, uh, this hour flew by. Definitely. I know. Right. <laughs> also, uh, Ben is, she's got a new record that just came out recently, right? Uh, yeah. Back in, I think it was January. It's been a little bit now. Is um, that the one on make noise? Records? Yeah. 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 Uh, make noise, make noise, put a record out for her. And it was, really really well received and it's a great record i definitely highly recommend uh checking it out if you can find a copy of it in the store um good luck it might be already really be sold out um but if you look <laughs> i at, think i tried to buy a copy not too long ago and, and it was sold out yeah, if you uh but if you go to the make noise youtube page there's a video i think videos for both sides of it it might or it might just be one but um, I mean, you can definitely listen to it online. I think some people posted it, but uh, Make Noise had Sean Patrick Curtis make a video for one of the sides, and that's definitely on their YouTube channel. And um, yeah, she has uh, some other records for other labels that she is about to start working on too that are going to be awesome. So, yeah, right more on. coming from Dan Awesome. All right, that was a really fun episode. Uh, Thanks for listening. Thank you to our sponsors, AI Synthesis and Recovery Effects. Please go check them out. Uh, Thank you to all our Patreon subscribers. Um, If you you are interested in becoming one of those, go to patreon.com forward slash modular modcast. And if you want to promote your dates, your albums, your modular on the spot events, anything, get a hold of us, please, at... uh, 
info at modularmodcast. Until next week.